The third-ranked Michigan Wolverines beat the 10th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions 24-15 to continue their national championship hopes, their Big Ten championship hopes, another opportunity to beat The Ohio State University in the game, which now officially will decide who wins the Big Ten East and who likely will participate in and likely dominate in the Big Ten championship game. And the Wolverines also get to keep their hopes of an undefeated regular season alive because a win over Maryland is not guaranteed, just like for Penn State, wins over Rutgers and Michigan State are not guaranteed. This game was not guaranteed by either opponent, and Penn State could have won this matchup. They could have, but they didn't. Michigan controlled this game from approximately the second quarter onward. Michigan made adjustments. Michigan was cool, calm, collected. Michigan played with a sense of fire and emotion, but tamed emotion, not out of control, too expressive for your own good type of emotion, but controlled in bursts. They were disciplined, they were fast, they were physical, and they were poised. Did Michigan put up 52 points like Georgia did last night? No. Although, granted, Ole Miss's defense sucks, and Penn State's defense might be the best defense in the country altogether, or maybe the best defense in the country behind Michigan's and maybe Ohio State's. The Big Ten has a collection of some of the best defenses in all of college football right now. But the Wolverines won, the Nittany Lions lost, and the loss for Penn State was in rather humiliating fashion, and the win for the Wolverines was perhaps more rewarding and more telling about this team than had Jim Harbaugh been on the sidelines. Welcome back, fellow football fanatics. It's your host, College Football with Sam, and I'm a Michigan fan, so I'm happy about this win. I'm passionate, but in today's episode, I'm going to try and remain cool, calm, collected, and objective, but don't worry, there is going to be another video about this loss, more so from the vantage point of putting the microscope on Penn State, because today we're going to be mostly talking about Michigan as they won this football game. So if you want to get more content from College Football with Sam, if you want to get notified of the next video that I'm making reacting to this game and analyzing Penn State's program and the Big Ten at large in further detail, make sure to hit that subscribe button, click the notification bell, Comment your thoughts reacting to this game down below, and also comment your thoughts on James Franklin and his coaching in big games, and comment on what you think Michigan football's ceiling is, because I think this team can still go 15-0. They can win it all. I think that even if Jim Harbaugh is still barred from the sidelines against Maryland and Ohio State, I think that Michigan can win out. This is a great team. It is. And lastly, like this video, share this video around if you can, and check out my Patreon page via the link in the description so you can support the channel if you want to. But there's no pressure that I want to apply to you. Your support is always appreciated, but it's never expected. However, I will finally add, you do get bonus content on my Patreon if you're an All-American or Heisman Patron supporter. And that extra content, the bonus content, is my picks for games, overs, unders, point spreads, money lines released Saturday morning. 
And also, my power rankings should be back this week. My power rankings, even though they haven't been on the table and available because I've been updating them, retooling them, I'm working with a fan of the channel and someone who's very busy and successful in their own right to automate my power rankings, also known as potential power. So this person, I will thank them in name once it is done, and I just want to say you're doing a great job. And thank you for helping the channel. Potential power probably would have predicted Michigan to win big, similarly to my own prediction. Two weeks ago, when potential power was last updated, Michigan would have been favored by the ranking system, the index, I used to call it potential power index, to beat Penn State by more than three touchdowns on a neutral field. Potential power also adjusts for home field advantage, and Penn State's home field advantage, rightfully so, is viewed as closer to a touchdown in point total rather than a field goal. Nonetheless, my power rankings and other power rankings often viewed Michigan likely to beat Penn State by a touchdown or more in spite of playing in Beaver Stadium and against a Penn State team that looked improved against Maryland the previous week. Michigan, they were looked a little rusty against Purdue. The news that Jim Harbaugh was going to be suspended did not sit well with many Michigan fans, although I think that the punishment in all honesty was rather light. Jim Harbaugh still gets to coach during the week. Sharon Moore has proven during this game and has proven during Bowling Green, and I think has proven as a play caller, has proven as a play caller rather, that he is capable of managing a team this elite and still calling great plays, making adjustments, doing what is necessary to win, executing, and being a great leader of young men. All that being said, Michigan won this game because they were physically dominant and they were poised and they played. They didn't play a perfect game, but they played the game necessary to win. They controlled Penn State. They controlled them from Penn State's first drive where they scored points, where they punched Michigan in the mouth. They had five plays inside of Michigan's 10-yard line. Michigan hadn't allowed a single play inside the 10 all year before that. That flipped a switch, almost like when Michigan went down to Indiana on that trick play. And when Alex Falcons kicked that 20-yard field goal, the game wasn't over for Penn State because they were still within striking distance until really four minutes and 30 seconds left in the fourth quarter when Blake Corum had that long touchdown run, but Penn State was in for a long day when Falcons scored those points. An extremely long day. After Michigan's first two drives where J.J. McCarthy was getting pressured and Carson Barnhart was just being tossed around like a mouse by a cat, and in this case the cat being Chop Robinson, Michigan adapted. They brought in some extra offensive linemen for multiple plays and multiple series, and they rammed the ball. They rammed the ball down Penn State's defense. And Manny Diaz, this is a qualm that I have about him as a coordinator. He blitzes most of the time in man coverage. And Penn State has better athletes and more of an NFL defense than most Don Brown Michigan defenses have had. Definitely better than Don Brown's 2019, 2018, 
I'd even say 2018 defense. This Penn State defense I don't think would have allowed 62 points to Ohio State in 18 or 41 points to Florida in 18. But they're similar to Don Brown's 2016 and 2017 defenses. This coming again from a Michigan perspective, so it's an analogy that is incomplete, so bear with me. Michigan worked that aggressive defense. An example of this is Donovan Edwards' 22-yard run on 3rd and 11. Penn State has six or seven guys who are blitzing. All of the others are in man coverage. And by the time they're turning around and realizing, oh shoot, we didn't have gap integrity, so our blitz failed, and Edwards with his acceleration is running to the end zone, they can't do anything because their backs are turned to the running back. And that happened over and over and over again. It's why Michigan ran when they were third and goal from the 10 later in the game and had to settle for a James Turner 22-yard field goal. Edwards nearly got in the end zone on that play, on that that run from third and goal from the 10. You don't run in that situation, but Michigan was able to pick apart that defense and test it on the perimeter. Michigan last year, they had a few plays on the outside that broke Penn State in the ground game last year. But really, it was Michigan with Olu Oluwatimi, Trevor Keegan, and Zach Zinner just opening up the Red Sea right through the middle of that Penn State defense. In this game, Blake Corum got to the outside in a long run, Donovan Edwards got to the outside on some of his long runs, and J.J. McCarthy on that one of the few third-down conversions that Michigan had all game, third and 12, J.J. McCarthy taking a quarterback run to his right to pick up that first down. Michigan tested the perimeter all day long. They were dominant. They were poised. They had early adjustments. Michigan tried to have a pass-run balance in this game, and they were getting beat on the outside. Penn State's defensive ends had a massive matchup advantage with Michigan's tackles, specifically Chop Robinson on Carson Barnhart, and that was fairly obvious from Michigan's first drive where they had to eventually punt it away. Michigan went ground and pound, and over the past two seasons, they're the only team to run for 200 yards or more on Penn State. And they did it twice for over 400 418 to be exact in 2022, and this season for 227, averaging 4.9 yards per carry and having three rushing touchdowns. Michigan was strong. They had a flexible defense, a defense that played very conservatively, much like Ohio State's did against Rutgers, where Michigan let Penn State run on them, but in critical times, Michigan would stuff the run, force Penn State to go for it on fourth down, or to make a decision resulting in burned timeouts. Some converted fourth downs. Other times, Penn State just panicked, and they didn't execute properly. The Lions were aggressive, but they were scared. They had little adjustments. They were run-heavy as well, like Michigan, but they tried to have a more balanced approach. Remember, Michigan entering this game had less total plays than Penn State, and Penn State was passing the ball at a higher percentage than Michigan was. Michigan was just that much more explosive in the passing game and slightly better at maintaining a steady run game that averaged more yards per play on the ground. Penn State was boomer bust all around. 
Defensively, I noticed this the most because there was no boom to Penn State's offense. Penn State literally is like 2021 Iowa with better talent. This defense is phenomenal. Is it as well coached as a Phil Parker defense? No. Is it as well coached as a Jesse Minter or Jim Knowles defense? I don't think so. But in terms of talent, in terms of player execution, in terms of really overall discipline, Penn State wasn't that highly penalized. They only had five penalties all game, and their first P.I. call was in the second half. Granted, Michigan didn't pass much, but nonetheless, they were a disciplined defense. Overall, Penn State is who we have known them to be for the past several seasons, a boomer bust team that occasionally earns a big play on offense, gives up big plays, sometimes repetitively, on defense, and can't close out a big game to save their life. Drew Aller also, I was even too high on him in the preseason, and I did not view him as a top three Big Ten quarterback. Let's just leave it at that. I don't think anyone predicted how horrific Drew Aller would be as a passing quarterback. The only thing good, the only thing I can praise about Drew Aller's passing is he does not throw interceptions. But he fumbled in this game, so he found a way to cough up the football. Penn State and their receivers and their quarterback were playing hot potato with the football basically all day long. For Blake Corum, he had a fumble early, and I'm glad that unlike Luke Fickle and Phil Longo, who against Ohio State, when Braylon Allen had two fumbles, they quickly took him out of the game, tried to go more pass-heavy, and I think that messed with their game plan. Michigan stuck to their identity. They did not abandon the run whatsoever. At times, it felt like Michigan was staying too much to the run early on. But Sharon Moore, Kirk Campbell, Mike Hart, Ron Bellamy, they trusted the process. The offensive staff and the defensive staff, too. Jesse Minter, Steve Klinkscale, Mike Elston, they trusted the process. That Michigan staff is one of the best staffs in the country. They are. They went into Beaver Stadium, who is a loud crowd, a team that Penn State, watching how the Nittany Lions played, they played a better game against Michigan than they did against Ohio State. There was slightly better execution in their passing offense. They were better on third down. They were better on fourth down. Their offensive line played with more fire and physicality than I saw against Ohio State. Granted, I think Ohio State was wise enough to stack an extra man in the box compared to Michigan. But then again, Penn State at home is a better team than they are on the road. And Michigan beat Penn State by two scores, nine points. And a lot of that's credit to Michigan. Another is you look at James Franklin and you stare him right in the eye. And I'll get to this in my video tomorrow. What are you doing? And... I think that if you aren't questioning James Franklin right now, I don't know why you aren't. Maybe you can't be saved. But Blake Corum's my player of the game. The staff, they didn't care that he fumbled the football. It was a great play by Chop Robinson. Saying they didn't care is probably an over-exaggeration, but they kept him in the game after he fumbled on that play and he recovered his own fumble. He's a responsible player. He's a team player. He ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns, 26 carries. 
I think that's a, a season high for him all season. 26 carries, 26 rushing attempts, 145 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. Blake Corum has had 152 carries all season long. He has 794 rushing yards and 18 rushing touchdowns. And yes, that was his best day in terms of carries and also in terms of rushing yards on the season. If he had one more touchdown rush, it would have tied his season high of three rushing touchdowns in a game that he had against Purdue and also UNLV. Blake Corum is a senior leader. Blake Corum plays with fire. He plays with emotion. He showed strength, speed, and agility. And he was assisted by an offensive line that played their best game, I would argue, of the whole season. Penn State's rushing defense. They are much better than they were last season. This might be the best defense in the country for Penn State in terms of depth, in terms of talent, in terms of looking at the roster. I don't think Manny Diaz is the best defensive coordinator in the country. Uh, get, get that out of here really quickly. I think Phil Parker obviously is better, and I think there are a few other choices in the Big Ten even with Jesse Minner and Jim Knowles, who I think make better decisions and are better at adapting to their opponent than Manny Diaz. But Manny Diaz is a top 10 defensive coordinator. Penn State has a top 10 defensive staff. They recruit well. They develop well. And in terms of roster talent, this Penn State defense has multiple first-rounders and multiple second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh-rounders. They have multiple NFL draft picks on this defense. And they also have players like Abdul Carter, for example, who are elite but have to return due to the fact that they are too young in their college experience to go to the NFL. They have to stay for at least another year of college. Blake Corum, amazing player. He showed why, in my opinion, he's one of the best, if not the best, running back in college football. I think after a performance like this against the rush defense that Penn State has, he is the best running back in all of college football. And Donovan Edwards had a performance as well. Edwards had a good game. He had a few long runs. He didn't fumble. He had a total of, I believe, 10 carries in the matchup, 10 carries for 52 yards, averaged over 5 yards per carry with a touchdown run of 22. McCarthy had 34 yards rushing. This Michigan rushing attack, Michigan ran the ball 46 times. 46 times. They only passed for 8 times. 9 if you look at the pass interference. So technically 9. Michigan ran the ball for over 80% of their play selection. And they won. And they scored more than 20 points on Penn State. With a, a box score that looks like something a service academy would produce. A service academy would produce 60 passing yards with only 8 attempts and 46 carries for 227 yards, 4.9 yards per carry, and 3 rushing touchdowns. That's, that's service academy numbers right there. And Michigan, I would have liked to see them pass more just from a selfish fan perspective, but the reality is, given the suddenness of Jim Harbaugh's suspension, given Michigan's problems at the tackle position, and the fact that Michigan knew they could run on Penn State. That's why they ran the ball. 
And it's not to say they were super confident in being able to beat Penn State this way, but they were willing to experiment. And more importantly, to be that conservative offensively and to be that, I'm not going to call, call it stubbornness, but to be that stiff and to be that focused on one type of general play, running the football, whether it's on the inside, the outside, and regardless of the blocking, and whether it's the quarterback or the running back, running the football, you have to trust your defense. Michigan trusted their defense, and Michigan's defense nearly shut out Penn State and their offense for the entire second half. I just, as a Michigan fan, I love this for my team. As a college football fan, it's safe to say that Michigan is the much better team, I think, than Penn State. Could Penn State have won? Yes. Could they have won easily? No. Michigan controlled that game from really the start of the second quarter onward, and there was not much Penn State could do about it. Penn State had the more diverse offense. They did. Mike Yurcich was constantly being criticized as a play caller. That's understandable. He was making some, I'd say, poor play calls, maybe unintelligent play calls. But Drew Aller and Penn State's offensive line and Penn State's wide receiver room and the whole offense in terms of players off also bear some of that as well. Aller was constantly throwing the ball behind his receivers. Nicholas Singleton just does not have power. Catron Allen, I am telling you, is the better running back. He suits this offensive line that is big. Penn State's offensive line is, I think, one of the biggest offensive lines in college football. They are a power, short yardage offensive line. That fits Catron Allen's build. And yet Singleton got the majority of the carries. And I'm thinking to myself, Singleton has 13 carries in this game. Allen had 12, but Allen got more carries later. They finally switched over to him. Singleton only averaged 3.3 yards per carry. Allen averaged 6 yards per carry with 72 rushing yards. Penn State ran the ball 164 yards on 35 carries. They had one rushing touchdown from Drew Aller. I admire and liked what Mike Yersich was doing with Drew Aller in the quarterback run because Michigan was very often being very conservative as a defense. They weren't stacking the box. Michigan expected Penn State to fling it deep. That was Michigan's defensive strategy. I mean, you watch that performance, and they expected Penn State to fling it deep because they were constantly playing with two safeties back. They were rarely stacking the box, and yet Michigan was able to get key stops, often from their defensive backs, making elite NFL tackles in short yardage. And that forced Penn State to chew up clock when they didn't want to chew up clock. That forced Penn State to get off schedule when they wanted to maybe pass on a first or second down and it fell incomplete. And now James Franklin can't run it on thir third and medium like he always wants to. So on, so forth. Michigan's defense played a really good game. And Corum, with his consistent running, with Michigan as a team and an offense being patient, working that clock, and Corum trucking forward for yards, converting critical third and fourth downs. He set the pace for this game. Corum controlled this game. And Michigan's offense and Michigan as a whole can be given credit, but Corum is a big reason why Michigan won this game, and he helped 
Michigan constrict Penn State. Michigan's the only team in the country right now that's never allowed a point in the third quarter. Penn State was the other team before yesterday. Michigan, to Penn State's credit, only did score a field goal, though, in the third quarter. So both of these defenses in the second half, they turn on a switch, and you're not going to score points against these defenses in the second half. You just aren't. On this show, we talk about the winners last. We save the best for last. I'm going to be talking more about Penn State football tomorrow. So again, hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell if you want to see my analysis on Penn State football. And even though I predicted the Nittany Lions were going to lose this game, Jim Harbaugh not being on the sidelines, Sharon Moore coming in as the interim head coach. You want to know this? This is a humiliating Sad statistic. Sharon Moore not only has the same amount of regular season top 10 wins as James Franklin, that being one, Sharon Moore has more top 10 road wins than James Franklin has had. Sharon Moore has one. James Franklin has zero. Zippo. No top 10 road wins. Only one regular season home win. The two other top 10 wins against Wisconsin in 2016 on a neutral site and against Utah in the Rose Bowl last year. Penn State was outcoached and outplayed by Michigan. Penn State had two touchdowns, 238 offensive yards, and Penn State was able to convert fourth downs and fourth downs better than they were able to against Ohio State and really at a better rate than they were against Indiana. Penn State was 4 of 14 on third down, 2 of 3 on fourth down. Those numbers, for third down especially, are still atrocious. Michigan went 6 of 13 on third down, but we'll talk about Michigan more in detail toward the end of this video. Penn State, I expected them to lose, so maybe why am I being so hard on Franklin? Because at some point, you have to win in spots where you're not expected to win, where no one is predicting you to win. That was my deal with Jim Harbaugh from 2015 to 2020. He did not win as an underdog. He didn't. He did not win as an underdog. He did not beat top 10 opponents. He did not beat Ohio State. He struggled against Penn State. He could not beat Penn State on the road as long as they were a competent team because the 2015 Penn State team went 7-6. and six. That's not the same as beating what could be an 11-2 and two Penn State on the road, which is a impressive that's an impressive win. That's a good win. Just like Ohio State's win over Penn State last year. That's a good win. But James Franklin, you cannot get credit for doing only what you're expected to do. This is college football. You're coaching at a blue blood school. Why are you going for two? Entering halftime. Take the points. It's like with Dan Lanning at Oregon against... Washington. I don't know if you're into analytics or if you just want to be aggressive and you're thinking with your current emotions rather than just, I don't know, the feel of the game and the fact that you have an elite defense. Take the points. That two-point conversion before halftime screams, I don't think my offense can score a touchdown. I don't believe that my team can win the football game. James Franklin's a good head coach. He is not near elite, and he is not anything close to elite. That, that 
That talk, I remember seeing a list where Ryan Day was ranked behind James Franklin in a preseason top 10 head coach ranking. It is ridiculous. It is asinine. Mike Yurcich is going to be on the hot seat after this game. This is a demoralizing loss because you have an elite defense. You improved compared to last season defensively and on special teams. I'd argue the offensive regression really averages out Penn State, and they're really the same team that they were last year. Meanwhile, Michigan's improved. Ohio State's probably averaged themselves out compared to last season with an elite defense, a similar special teams unit, and an offense that has regressed about as equally as the defense has taken a step forward. I, with, I'm pausing here, I'm stuttering here, because James Franklin is Jim Harbaugh from 2015 to 2020. He is. He literally is. And you'll hear this in my video tomorrow with more passion, more statistics. I'm going to go full out nerd. And I am going to mount a case as to why James Franklin, good coach, better coach than I could ever be. I'm just a guy talking into my Blue Yeti microphone in my room. You are... 3-7 Three and seven against Michigan, one and nine against Ohio State. You are zero and six against both in the past three seasons, with the best recruiting classes that Penn State has ever had outside of their 2018 recruiting class. What are you doing? What what game plan are you going through? What decisions are you making? Is James Franklin managing the offense? Is Mike Yersich manning the offense? Why is Manny Diaz calling the same? base play every time and Michigan is working him on the outside. Michigan didn't do anything special in this game. They didn't play their best game of the season. Make no mistake about it. They didn't. Michigan having to use four timeouts? No. That That's something where if Jim Harbaugh was on the sideline, I, I guarantee you Michigan doesn't have to use four timeouts to prevent delay of games. That's what happens when you have Sharon Moore, who's a great elite OC and elite line coach, but he's inexperienced as the head coach and CEO. He was thrusted into the situation, which shows how good of an improviser Sharon Moore is, that he knew how to, he knew to use those timeouts. He knew how to compensate the best he could for his own inexperience. And Michigan faced adversity. And Penn State, in their own home, with wounded animal mode, playing desperate, playing a better game than I've seen them play against Ohio State, in Illinois, and Northwestern, and Indiana, a better game than most games I've watched Penn State play during the season. And you, James Franklin, Manny Diaz, Mike Yersich, you still couldn't get it done. This offensive game plan, this defensive game plan, what Penn State runs works at home against Iowa, who is down multiple running backs, who had a quarterback in Cade McNamara who significantly regressed and was constantly dealing with an injury, talking about when Penn State played Iowa on the field. And when Iowa had an off night, and even if they didn't and they were fully healthy, with their limited offense and limited talent, Penn State would have still beaten them. This game plan, this strategy, doesn't work against Ohio State. It doesn't work against Michigan, who have offenses that have elite players. Michigan has an elite interior O-line. 
Michigan has, in my mind, a near elite to elite quarterback. They have elite running backs. They have great wide receivers and great tight ends. Tight ends who can go vertical. I mean, A.J. Barner, if not for Kalen King interfering with them, A.J. Barner could have had a, a huge explosive pass play from J.J. McCarthy. What James Franklin is doing is... I Well, frankly, I don't know what he's doing in these situations. Being super aggressive, coming out with trick plays that works, going for a two-point conversion before halftime, and then setting yourself up to having to go for the two-point conversion again later in the game. If he doesn't go for that two-point conversion, Penn State could have recovered an onside kick to tie up the game and, and win. And at the end of the day... The two-point conversion didn't matter a ton. Michigan was in position to win with less than five minutes in the fourth quarter. But it just, I watch Penn State and I watch James Franklin. And it's my same issue with Harbaugh before he turned it around in 2021. What are you doing with the talent that you have? You're not winning big games. And for the people who say that James Franklin wins the games he should win. Um, Nebraska, 2020. Michigan State, 2018. Iowa, 2021. Ohio State, 2022. He wasn't favored to win, but he took a lead late. Ohio State, 2017, 2018. Michigan, 2021. Go back into 2021 and see Illinois. Michigan State on the road. Indiana in 2020, games where Penn State was either favored or they took a lead and they blew it, straight up blew it, often to teams who had inferior talent to them, or in the case of Ohio State or Michigan, Penn State had the momentum, Penn State had similar talent, in many cases they had home field advantage, and they couldn't get it done. James Franklin and Penn State cannot finish, and the reason this loss is demoralizing despite the fact that most people bet on Michigan, most people picked Michigan to win, I myself picked Michigan to win by multiple touchdowns, is there's something called proving the doubters wrong. That's a thing. And James Franklin never proves his doubters wrong. And that's demoralizing. When you cannot prove, either as a football program for Penn State, an individual coach, for Manny Diaz, Mike Yersich, or James Franklin, when you cannot prove your doubters wrong and they're proven right over and over and over again, that sucks. Penn State fans don't deserve that. In the same way that I was calling for Jim Harbaugh's head after the 2020 season, if Franklin, with the talent that he's acquiring right now and the five-star talent especially that he has at quarterback, which was a game-changer for Michigan and J.J. McCarthy last year and this year, we have to really start questioning what Penn State wants as a program. Do you want 10 of 22 for 70 yards and a touchdown, averaging 3.2 yards per pass attempt? Do you want a team that is 4 of 14 on third down in a team that averages more yards per rush than yards per pass? I don't think so. So I'm going to leave it at that for Penn State tomorrow. I'm going to be talking about them some more, as I've mentioned several times in this video. And I'll also be talking about Michigan and Ohio State more. Because Penn State is in the position of top three 
of being in that tier one or, you know, tier two of the Big Ten. But they can't cross that next level like Michigan has and the level that Ohio State has really held over this conference or now held in unison with Michigan for the past 20 seasons, dominating the conference since 2002. And Michigan has now taken over since 2021, but Ohio State is really neck and neck with Michigan over the past two seasons in terms of when they don't meet up. Ohio State wins every game that they should. They're able to fight back from adversity. They're able to compete in some spots where they weren't necessarily expected to by everyone, like against Georgia last season, or crushing after being down by a multiple touchdowns, Utah, in the 2021 Rose Bowl. Ohio State, they have to find a way to beat Michigan. That's it. They can beat Penn State. There's only one team that Ryan Day struggles to beat, and he's beaten them before. For example, 2019. Franklin struggles against two teams, the two best teams in the Big Ten. And for Sharon Moore, congratulations. You have one more road win against a top 10 team than James Franklin does. You have two wins in your head coaching career. And I think that Sharon Moore will have a head coaching career beyond being Michigan's interim head coach while Jim Harbaugh has been suspended two times. Fun fact about Michigan, the Wolverines have two more suspensions than they have bowl wins under Jim Harbaugh. Though I think and I hope that will change this season. Michigan continues to dominate on offense and defense. The staff made great adjustments, and the Wolverines are playing angry. 287, 287 offensive yards, three touchdowns. On the ground, Michigan with 227 rushing yards. Michigan won this game by controlling Penn State. Michigan controlled the clock. Michigan had 33 minutes and 12 seconds of possession. And Penn State had to eat up a few minutes of possession to get down the field to score their final touchdown of the game to have a last gasp at converting a two-point conversion, maybe getting an onside kick to tie the game up and bring it to overtime. Those are two things you do not want to rely on to tie up a football game. And Michigan's defense put Penn State's offense, as much as Penn State's own offensive ineptitude put themselves in that position, need I remind you that Penn State was able to control Iowa. They were able to control opponents in every other game except for Ohio State and Michigan. Those were the two teams that turned the table on Penn State and instead controlled the Nittany Lions. Michigan called a great game. Typically, I would not support running on third and long or third and medium in an attempt to score points or make conversions, but Sharon Moore knew what he was doing because Penn State couldn't stop Michigan when they ran on third down, at least in the moments where it mattered. Michigan still wasn't above 50% in third down conversion. It's not like Michigan had a game similar to the Georgia Bulldogs against Ole Miss, but taking into context that Penn State has a top four defense easily and that Penn State was constantly sending men forward and stacking the box, given that context, Penn State had a hard time stopping this Michigan rushing attack. And Jim Harbaugh, coaching during the week, 
He had a great game plan. The staff made adjustments to that game plan to suit the team's needs. And J.J. McCarthy executed. McCarthy was 7 of 8 for 60 passing yards. And on the ground, he ran tough. He ran hard. He even got banged up on one of his runs. But he fought through pain, fought through adversity. He had 8 carries for 34 yards. He even took a sack. He had one pass play, which could have been intercepted. He threw it right to Curtis Jacobs as Chop Robinson was trying to drag him down. Outside of that, though, perfect game. And contrary to what most people believed, J.J. McCarthy, while he added a dynamic to Michigan's offense and he helped them win, Michigan did not have to rely on J.J. McCarthy to carry them to victory. Remember the the talking point all week of how this is going to be a battle of quarterbacks in Beaver Stadium, and Michigan will have to rely on J.J. McCarthy and Roman Wilson, and those are greater elite players, but Wag's finger, no. Michigan pounded the rock, and the pass and the run complemented each other early on. And even though I was more correct in a way, in that I thought that Michigan was going to have more success on the ground than most people anticipated, I did not think Michigan was going to run for 200 yards, that they were going to have a long rush of 44, another rush of longer than 20 for a touchdown and a 22-yard rush, and another long run. Michigan had three runs of more than 20 yards. They had three explosive ground plays. And they had some more carries of over 5 yards and over 10 yards. I did not expect Michigan to have that much success on the ground, especially given how one-dimensional Michigan was. If you told me that J.J. McCarthy was slinging it all over the football field, and he looked like Stetson Bennett did against Tennessee last season, and then Michigan ran for over 200, I would have believed you. Because Michigan then would have used the pass to open up the run, and Manny Diaz and his defense would have been totally uncomfortable and forced to spread out. Manny Diaz stuck to his defensive identity, and Penn State's defense stuck together. They stacked the box. They knew what was coming, and they couldn't stop it. They could not stop the inevitable boa constrictor from eventually taking all the air out of their program. A 24-15 win. Congratulations to Michigan, and to Sharon Moore, and to... Blake Corum, J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Kenneth Grant chasing down Catron Allen. That's elite athleticism for a big defensive tackle. Chris Jenkins, Josiah Stewart, Jalen Harrell getting pressure. Will Johnson playing a good game. He had a pass interference call, but he had a great play in the red zone where Aller threw a very good pass, I think to Keandre Lambert-Smith, or no, it was Dante Cephas. And... Will Johnson didn't do a perfect job of defending the pass, but he did a great enough job to where if you were anyone but Marvin Harrison Jr., you were not catching that football. Mikey Sainer still played a good game, and this was a big game. This was the biggest game for Michigan all season. Sainer still, I've taken note of the fact that sometimes he gets aggressive and gets burned. He played a perfect game here. Michigan's best players had career games. Donovan Edwards... Blake Corum, at least when it comes to the 2023 season. J.J. McCarthy, they had some of their better games of the whole season in the biggest moments. And that's what elite players and elite teams do. Will Johnson gets two pass breakups 
and a few good coverages. Jalen Harrell gets a sack, a few solo tackles. Rayshon Benny strips Drew Aller. Good teams, great teams, especially elite teams, and especially elite players step up in the biggest moment. And that's what happened with Michigan. That's really the difference between Michigan and Penn State. Michigan and Penn State recruit at the same level, may I remind you. But Michigan develops better. Michigan coaches better. And that's, it's that simple. It is just that simple. Michigan is better position coaches, better coordinators, the better head coach. And more importantly, perhaps, and I mentioned this as a factor, factor number five or reason number five why Michigan would win this game, Michigan and Ben Herbert, that strength and conditioning program, work wonders. It's amazing what you can do with top 15, top 20 classes if you have the right strength and conditioning coach. You can crush teams that have more talent than you. Just look at Michigan versus Ohio State for the previous two seasons, and you will understand why strength and conditioning is that important. Thank you for watching this video. I hope I didn't ramble too long, but I don't think I did. I think I needed to get everything out there because this was a big game, and big games deserve in-depth analysis. Thank you to Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, and Justin Rogg for being Heisman Patreon supporters. Thanks to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted for being All-American Patreon supporters. And thanks to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah for being All-Conference Patrons. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you later today and also tomorrow with more reaction and analysis content. Have a phenomenal day.